You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. It's Julia Tashari and Mike DiStefano with you. Leafs lunch. Hour two coming at you. The Leafs have the wild at home tonight. They're celebrating black excellence at Scotiabank Arena. You can listen to that on TSN 1050. Watch it on TSN 4. Ryan Carter, former NHLer and, and the Wilds. Current color analyst will join us in the next couple of minutes to tee that game up. But a few updates, some housekeeping things, A.B., to update our fine listeners on before we get to that. Uh, we had Chris Johnson on to start the show. He, he, he thought he was hearing something about Patrick Kane while we were bringing him in. So it was, it was a very juicy situation. And then uh, he gave us the info that so nothing imminent happening. But this is CJ's exact update. We're still a week away from the NHL trade deadline, but word is that the Patrick Kane situation will come to a head well before then. Expect a resolution in the next 24 hours or so. He's told that Kane has not waived his no movement movement clause officially to facilitate a deal. So maybe something imminent coming with Patrick Kane in the next 24 hours, so we'll have our eyes peeled for that. Uh, and then coming out of of, of Chicago today, or, or more specifically San Jose, where the Blackhawks play tonight i'll assume maybe or they're practicing today maybe they play tomorrow unsure but an update from reporters in in san jose today is that patrick kane will not practice apparently it's a maintenance day not being called trade related reasons jake mccabe interestingly enough also not practicing today not trade related reasons either non-covid related illness but uh both (laughs) both pretty convenient ab yeah, I mean, the, the Patrick Kane one's uh, interesting. Maintenance day uh, ahead of all of this news that's uh, that's coming down. Yeah, there, Might as well call that a personal night. reasons. Well, it could very well be a personal day because, like I said, uh, I'm pretty sure Patrick Kane's agency's like in Southern California. So it could be like a personal day, meeting face-to-face with his agent, Pat Prasad. They're trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen, which is why we might get our answer in the next 24 hours, whether or not he's going to want to move on and go play elsewhere. You know, I, I think it probably makes sense. It sounds as though the Rangers are at the top of his list, and if they can make that happen, they absolutely should because that would make that team, like, I mean, <laughs> between them and Boston, like, it's going to be so hard. Like, we talk about Toronto and, and what they could do. They got to, if, if they happen to get through Tampa and then Boston, they're probably going to face the Rangers in the, yeah. in the conference final. And maybe, maybe Carolina gets there. But man, it's such a, a tough haul through the Eastern Conference, regardless. Like, you look at the difference between the East and West this year. Like, it's crazy. Like, you go look at the league standings, the full league standings. I'm pretty sure, yeah, the top five teams are all in the East. And six of the top seven teams are all in the East with Vegas with uh, leading the way, I guess, in, in sixth place right now. But six of the top seven teams in the Eastern Conference, like that's that's just an absolute gauntlet to get out of, uh, to, to get to a Stanley Cup final. A gauntlet. Yeah, it, it, it's madness. The East is just, we can go on and on and on all day about the East and how difficult it's going to be for the Leafs. And at the end of the day, they're just going to figure out a way to, to get past Tampa in that first round. Um, something interesting just popped up on my phone before we get uh, Ryan Carter on to tee up this Leafs Wild game tonight. I was talking about the Blues and and um, 
Barubi's post game yesterday after the Blues coughed up a lead to the Vancouver Canucks, and and Robert Thomas has actually responded on ESPN Radio today in, in St. Oh. Louis. He uh, he's called the coach's comments frustrating to hear, and he said that they couldn't be further from the truth. He said, it's it's frustrating to hear that. I've been part of this team for a long time. What he said couldn't be further from the truth. I know everyone in that room Ooh. cares, and it's frustrating to hear. Um, you know, uh, he knows that group. He's been with that group, and I'm talking about Barubi and also Robert Thomas, of course. He knows what buttons to push, so... I think the I think the Blues have Pittsburgh tomorrow night, so I'll have my eyes there. I'd be looking for a response from this Blues team. Hey, as Craig always says, show me, don't tell me. All right, <laughs> don't tell me that you care and that there's passion in the room. Show me that you care and that there's passion in the room. He clearly wasn't shown that in last night's game. Uh, didn't show me that. Like I watched that third period. Yeah, they got walked last night. Like it throughout that entire game. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that's that's a game to, to keep an eye on. It's always funny when you get a little bit of differing opinions between the coach and the player. Yeah, but that happens a lot. That does yeah. happen a lot, I'm sure, in in the NHL. And and I was listening to uh, to a podcast of the guy that we have on the line, and there's been some contentious moments that he's had with a couple of coaches. Let's bring him in. It's Ryan Carter, former NHLer, wild color analyst, former Stanley Cup champion, and host of the Wild on Seventh podcast. Ryan, how are you? Um, well, thank you. Um, yeah, great. Just got into town late last night. We had a little bit of trouble with uh, customs at the border, so a little Typical. less sleep than I'd like, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm terrific. Thank you. Um, so I was I was telling uh, Julia earlier that I was listening to um, a podcast they did uh, about a year ago with the Chicklets guys, and you were telling some great stories, and one of which uh, a contentious relationship with Randy Carlyle, was also a polarizing figure here in Toronto from his time uh, as the head coach. Phil Kessel uh, one time threatened to quit hockey, apparently, because Carlisle said that he didn't want to have pop in the locker room, and he's like, "I'll quit. I swear, I'll quit." You played, uh, you played for him. I heard you had a, a couple of run-ins with him. I was howling at the one where you talked about chucking the net at him after a bag skate. Uh, you know what's? Uh, what are some fond memories? I guess or some funny stories you recall of your days with Randy? <laughs> yeah. So I think Randy and I uh, we butt heads quite a bit, but. Um, I have to give him credit. He he knew what he was doing. He paid attention to details, and he was a a pretty good coach coach in terms of X's and O's and having the team prepared. But um, it's funny the the story from Phil Castle. I remember we'd go on planes and you'd, we'd have like snacks and chips and things on the airplane, and Carlisle would would sit there and he'd kind of wait to see who would grab these snacks. And if he saw you snacking, he might have you weigh in the next day and check on you a little bit. So. Um, he'd micromanage for sure a little bit, but I also think he's one of those coaches that liked to push buttons and he really wanted to know how you responded. So at times he'd, he'd push your buttons purposefully, um, looking to incite some type of response out of you. And sometimes he got, uh, he got fiery responses out of myself. They're not my, uh, my finest moments, like the one you're alluding to, where I decided it'd be a good idea to shove the net at Randy. That was uh, turned out to be a terrible idea, but um, yeah, that uh, <laughs> those are the kind of things. And it's it's a passionate sport. And we saw the comments out of Baruvi from the 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 Blues yesterday, I believe, where he was challenging guys and, and saying they have to be passionate. And I think that Randy Carlisle is one of the best at getting passion out of his players. 
Yeah, it felt like Craig Ruby was trying to get something out of his guys. You're kind of thinking the same thing, and, and maybe we'll see a response tomorrow night in uh, in Pittsburgh. We're with Ryan Carter right now, former NHLer, and he does commentary, color commentary for the Minnesota Wild, who are in town tonight. Uh, I have to ask you about your first ever NHL game, which which happened to be a playoff game. You were part of that run with the Ducks. Were you Black Ace in, in that run, or was yeah, it the one exactly. before? So I was playing. I was playing in the minors, uh, so I was a college the year before signed, and I ended up playing the whole year in the minors, which was the plan. And we didn't have the success in Portland. That's the affiliate at the time, Portland, Maine. So the season ended, and Anaheim was clearly going to go on a run. So there was a handful of us that went up to be aces, and we practiced on our own for a bit. And, yeah, to the, the point you were making, it was my first NHL game. I remember sitting there, and I was – shaking in my skates because I'm on the bench my first NHL game Western Conference Finals looking over and we're playing the Red Wings and that was in the Red Wings heydays so we're talking Lidstrom, Zetterberg, Gatsuk, Franson, uh, Bertuzzi I mean the names were huge I was so nervous I looked to my right there's Team Solani and that was at that point in his career I mean I think he probably um, would have been a Hall of Famer at that point, and that was the furthest he had ever been in the playoffs was the West Final. So for me, it was kind of like, oh, my goodness, do not screw this up uh, for this guy over here, Team Salani, and then looking across the other bench, it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, what did those guys say to you? Like, did you get any advice from, from the vets, or were you just trying to keep your head down? Well, I, I, don't, think, I don't think you're supposed to be leaking, like, absolutely sweating profusely right. Uh, right after the anthem, but Solani looks over and saw it. <laughs> he could tell a little nervous, so he's just like, hey, well, don't worry about it. Just uh, just go out and play, have fun. I think I was actually minus one my first shift, and I went back to the bench. Oh, and, no. Uh, I just... Uh, yeah, I just looked around. I just sat back and looked around. I was like, wow, the NHL is the real deal. This is sweet. Enjoy it while you can, Ryan. Get a good look from the bench. Might be the last time you're here, but <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> hey, yeah, ended up uh, turning out it uh, nice. Start, but it was, it was memorable, yeah. Yeah, hey, turned out a nice 10-year career. You ended up making another run to uh, to the Stanley Cup final um, a few years later with the New Jersey Devils. And, like, I'm curious, when, when you look at how the teams were constructed back when you were with Anaheim when they made their run, and then again with New Jersey, and how different you think teams are constructed in today's age. You look at Boston, you look at what the Rangers are doing, might even add another piece in, in, in Patrick Kane, you've got Tampa, Toronto. Like, How different is you know just the, the makeup of teams today than they were 10 and 15 years ago? Well, it's it's much different. I think it's been very noticeable, the investment in younger players, and I think you have to give credit to the development of hockey and whether you want to, I think you can go around the globe and say everybody's kind of dialed that in. USA Hockey's done a nice job. You've got guys like Austin Matthews and some of these young players that have really jumped in, and it doesn't take them long to be stars anymore. Um, so the, the younger players have really pushed, and they're talented. Then, while at the same time, I think the salary cap has changed things as well to where you, you have to pay some of these guys sooner, and then now it becomes uh, almost imperative that you have to have uh, probably less experience on your bottom six because you've got to pay your top six, your top nine, and your D a little bit sooner. So, um, where you used to have veteran guys and you reserve those spots a couple million bucks for a fourth line chart like Anaheim. Like, Todd Marchant, he was he had two million bucks. I mean, it's rare nowadays that you see that in that situation. But 
Um, and then also the physicality. The game has changed. It's so much more fast with the implementation of the younger, more skilled players that um, they kind of leave slower, more physical guys like myself in the dust, and it forces teams to have to really adjust and change their makeup. But the I think what maybe illustrates it the best is they used to say the NHL was a race to three, and then you kind of lock things down. Now there's no question it's it's a race to four, if not more. And as teams try to build their playoff contending teams, the focus is really on that. It's it's scoring and and trying to get as much talent as they can spread throughout the lineup to make sure that they can get to that number when things tighten up in the playoffs. And um, yeah, I think that's really changed quite a bit. Obviously, the physicality of the game has changed quite a bit, too, but um, those are the main factors, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll see a lot of that skill on, on display tonight when the Wild are in town to take on the Leafs. That's Ryan Carter, former NHLer, on the phone. He does color analysis for the Minnesota Wild. And, and the Wild kind of kind of not limped their way to all-star break, but things were a little rickety headed into the break, and now they've ripped off four, f- ripped off rather four straight wins. So so what's this led to the success in the past little bit here? Well, I think every team kind of goes through a skid at some point, and the Wild hit theirs. I think if you look at the anatomy of some of these skids, the way it works is teams start to play well. Um, they're winning games. They're finding their identity, and, um, you know, they start to, to be who they are. And then in the Wilds case, what started to happen is their game started to slide a bit, but they kept winning, and it was hard for them to fix some of these problems because it wasn't need-based. Um, so some bad habits, I think, started to creep in, but they accumulated some points leading into the break. Uh, but then the game started to become, uh, I would say, a little bit sloppier, and they were a little less accountable, and they they dropped a couple games going into the break. And I thought the they'd come out and the hard reset would have been a positive thing for them, and they're hoping that they could just, boom, turn the page and then refine their form instantly, and that wasn't the case. Go down to Arizona, first game out of the break, and they lose that one, and that really took the wind out of the team sales, the player sales, and I think they felt that that was a game that they wanted to win to to set the second half, so to speak. I know it's past the halfway point, but um, off on the right foot, and then they started reeling. Guys weren't scoring. Five on five, the Wilds really struggled. They started to switch lines, um, so things started to, to kind of fall out of place, but now they've had to really get back to their own game and their identity, which is a defend first type of a team and if they're going to have success they've they've got to keep the opposition to a couple goals a game be good in front of their goaltender get some saves and really work from that area out so the wild have, have started to find that form and then play with a little bit of confidence now the scoring starting to come back the confidence starting to come back so they've got four in a row and i, I think they're happy with the way they're building it too I saw a crazy stat heading into last night's game about uh, Kaprizov that he'd factored in on like 41% of the Wilds' goals this season. I often think that like stats sometimes tell tell a bit of the story. Like, is is that a testament as to how much of a catalyst he is for the Wilds, or does it kind of just show there's a little bit of a, a lack of depth on uh, on this Wild team? And could that be an area of improvement come the NHL trade deadline? Well, I, I do think that the secondary scoring has struggled, but it, if you really dive into the numbers on their bottom six, there are some guys that are on remarkable dry spells. So I, I think it'd be wise for the Wild not to overreact at the deadline and say, we don't have it. There's been enough body of work from some of these guys like Jordan Greenway and um, Freddie Goudreau and 
that they're going to be able to pull themselves out of it. But Jordan Green has got no points in his last team, 19 games, no goals in his last 21. Um, things just aren't finding the net, and it's hard to just say, hey, he's got to stick with it. But the body of work lends itself to say, like, he can do it. And along with some of the other guys in the lines he's playing with, I mean, the fourth line for the while, I don't think they've chipped the goal in, in in 20 games as well. And that's not their role, but, you know, that, that number's usually one every four or five games. So, um, the, the secondary scoring, it, it has been an issue, but I think they're trying to be and wisely be as patient as they can to help and let these guys dig themselves out of it. But to your point on Kaprizov, it's it's remarkable. He he is a star, um, a a, ter- a terrific player to to watch because he does so many things well, and uh, it's no secret across the league anymore that the the offense of the Minnesota Wild goes through him. So he's getting star attention and teams know especially right now hey if we can find a way to shut down Kirill Kaprizov we got a really good chance of winning this game I think you look at it the he's factored in in over 40 percent of the Wilds offense like you shut him down the Wild might get one goal you get two that's it boom they're good you know what I mean but they, they they just can't do it and it's because he's so talented and you can find different ways to beat you, whether it be off the rush, off the cycle, one-on-one, um, quick puck movement. And he he really has an answer to everything the opposition throws at him defensively. Just a smart player um, and a lot of tools in his box. And the special thing about him is, is he knows what tool to use at the right time. So uh, it's not a fluke. I, I think that will continue to be the case for the wild even as they start to score more he's just that important and that good yeah what a player we'll get a look at him tonight when they when they play the leafs and the wild have if you get technical with it they've been a bank at this trade deadline they've kind of been involved in uh acting as a broker in the o'reilly and orlov deals but what do you think billy garen has up his sleeve in in the next seven days do you think it'll remain pretty quiet buying selling kind of an interesting spot the wilder in well, I, I do think that they have a plan, and the plan would be to make sure that they don't leverage the future chasing something right now. And I don't think that that can be interpreted as the Wild saying or Bill Guerin saying that I don't think we have a winner right now. I think it's simply that they've invested a lot of time into making sure that the coverage are full. Uh, I think Wheeler came out with an article in the Wild have the number one ranked prospect pool. So I don't think that they want to leverage that situation right now, given the cap restraints that they have going into the future. And some of these assets can be retained and can stay uh, wild property for years to come. That That's a much different story. And I think Bill Guerin would do that. But I think he's going to be very thoughtful and very patient at the deadline. If he can improve the team, I, th- I think you know, they'd love to have a scoring winger, uh, a sentiment that could maybe help with, with some offense. But I don't think that they're going to go out there and make a big splash, be aggressive, uh, pay top dollar for these things. I see them more as an 11th hour kind of team. And if everybody passes on a certain guy that they have circled somewhere on their board and he's still available, they might go throw a dart and use some of this draft capital that they're compiling um, through being this third-party broker. They've got fourth and fifth-round pick now. And is that a sexy return for a guy? No, it's not. But if they can use that cap space that they had to go get a guy, package a couple of picks, and get somebody a rental to improve their team in the interim, I think that's something that they would do. But 
um, I don't think that there's a hard plan for them at the deadline. They're they're kind of sitting there with their phones open, seeing what comes across the table. But um, like I said, most importantly, I don't think they'll leverage the future. We're chatting with Ryan Carter, former uh, NHL or wild color analyst, and Mark Giordano could uh, set the new all-time shot blocking record tonight. He's three blocks away from setting the new record, and apparently he came out and said that he's used the same shin pads for the last 10 years, just straight up, same stuff, 10 years. So I guess he's superstitious when it comes to his equipment. I'm curious, did you have any weird superstitions when it came to uh, to your equipment? <laughs> we got to get a picture of those shin pads. <laughs> I know, they're probably beat the hell up right by now. Like Connor David sucks. Well, it's the guys yeah. taking how many pucks off those shin pads by now? Like, how have they not cracked? Right. They have to be like the Frankenstein of shin pads, like just stitched together all sorts of different pieces just to save them and keep them alive. But um, this is going to be gross, but I wonder what those things smell like, too. But um, I tell you what, if I was a D-man or a forward, I'm playing out there in the Minnesota Wild Sweater, I kind of want to be the guy that gets the fourth one off his shins here tonight to to set that record, right? So I'd be shooting at Giordano tonight. But uh, pretty remarkable that that he's going to set that goal and longevity there the only odd superstition i had was that i didn't i didn't like to use a new roll of tape so i'd kind of just go around the locker room and steal somebody that already taped their stick or their shin pads and use an old roll of tape because i felt like the first couple pulls off of a new roll weren't good i don't know if i felt it was bad luck i just felt like all the good luck was in the middle of the roll so those are the kind of rolls of tape i targeted as weird as that sounds Ryan, I have one more before we let you go, and it's it's exclusively about White Bear, Minnesota, because I spent a lot of time there playing <laughs> hockey tournaments when I was a kid, and I was just texting my dad, trying to remember. I had, like, I'm not kidding, the best chicken wings of my life in White Bear at some point in my youth playing a minor hockey tournament, and just now I was trying to Google it, like, where are the best wings in, in White Bear so I can get a review from you as to where exactly I got them. Like, Do you have any idea where I could have had these chicken wings? They changed my life and now I can't figure out where they came from. Yeah, so I, I, I'm guessing that it was going to be Bear Town is the name of it. Oh, that could be it. A little bar restaurant. They used to have a big clock and that was kind of the landmark of the restaurant. Like, it, I think it used to be like a big band or something that turned into a Bear Town so there's a big clock outside of the restaurant. But they're known for their wings because they keep both like the drummy and the flat both on the wing. So you get like a Ooh. huge wing. Yeah. And then they're fried pretty good. Uh, you get a half a dozen of them and that's more than enough food, but they, uh, they draw quite the crowd and they get a lot of support from the hockey community too, because they, um, and I'd love to give them a little shout out here. So thanks for asking because they do, provide and, and sponsor quite a few teams in that regard too so they get a lot of support from the youth hockey program doesn't surprise me at all that if you've gone through white bear and played hockey games there that you stop at bear town for those wings because they are terrific yeah Shout okay. out bear town i'm gonna have to get the, i'm a i love me some chicken wings i'm gonna have i might make a trip to minnesota white bear just to get some wings there or maybe ryan if you're around send them to me like, decade later i remember the chicken wings funny. they're that awesome um, really quickly, actually, before we let you go, you, uh, you've, you've got a podcast out now, Wild on 7th Podcast. What made you get into the podcast game? Did you expect to get into the media game after you retired? No, to be honest with you, I really didn't. The opportunity to do TV kind of popped up and, uh, right off the bat, and I'm glad that I, I came around on it. I, I was uncomfortable and didn't know if that's what I wanted to get into post-playing. Um, I got nudged a little bit that said, just try it, you know, dip your toe, see if you like it. And 
uh, it's been a lot of fun and pretty rewarding. So I've enjoyed that. And then secondarily, the podcast, I'm from Minnesota and Minnesota sports have struggled to have success because there's this mentality around there. It's kind of always self-defeating where fans, they like the excitement and the ride that they're on with each club, but they're just sitting there waiting for the shoe to drop, so to speak, for uh, the bottom to fall out and teams to lose in the first round of the playoffs or um, the big game comes around, they're inevitably going to lose it late. And there's this energy around sports in this. So I think it's, you know, like how did Boston win all these titles? How did uh, Tampa become Tampa Bay? It's You have to win and kind of have to have the, the belief and the feeling that you're going to win first. So uh, I started this podcast with a, a friend of mine, John King, to just kind of try to ease the pain of some of the Minnesota sports fans and really turn their, their minds around into, hey, how can I help support these wins? Because as a player, you could feel the energy late in games. A team ties it up, and the, the, the nervous energy just fills the building. And if they could somehow flip that and have it be an exciting energy, could that change the outcome? I believe the answer is yes. So um, the podcast is all about the Minnesota Wild and trying to find a way for the fans to understand and play their role in helping them win a Stanley Cup. Well, that's awesome. It's a good time uh, to be doing it, too. It's a pretty good squad, and they got themselves a superstar in Kirill the Thrill, too. So it's probably fun to talk about that guy on a daily basis. Go check it out, the Wild on 7th podcast. Uh, really appreciate taking the time, uh, Ryan. It was a fun chat. Hopefully we can uh, talk again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Have yourselves a great day, and I think I'll have to swing by Baritown now that I've got the thought of the wings of the mind, so appreciate that. And if you want to send some to Toronto, I'll let you know we'll what my here. postal code is, and uh, <laughs> we could set something up. <laughs> Sounds good. There Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes, Ryan Carter, former NHLer, wild color analyst, uh, Stanley Cup champion. Isn't that wild? First game in the NHL, and it's against the Detroit Red Wings back when they were actually good. And uh, it's it's in the Western Conference Final. I saw he did play a game that year, too, because that was the year that they went and they played uh, Ottawa. It was the Anaheim-Ottawa Final. Ended up getting into uh, into one of the games in the Cup Final as well. So, And then he had a really good run as like a, a depth piece fourth liner for the Devils when they made their run in 2011-2012 in against the Kings. Ended up with uh, five goals on that uh, Cup run. So... You know, he knows what it takes to, to, to win or at least to get far. So it's nice to, to get his opinions on what's going on in, in, in the hockey world, that's for sure. Yeah, All right. absolutely. On the other side, we got to go. So we got Mark Masters waiting for us. Uh, leader of Masters Nation, TSN Leafs reporter, will continue to tee up tonight's game. Leafs Wild on TSN 4. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tacheri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Back again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Welcome back, Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tajeri and Mike DiStefano with you. The Leafs play the Wild at home tonight. That's a game you can listen to on TSN 1050. Watch it on TSN 4. And now we'll go to our boots on the ground. Mark Masters, leader of Masters Nation, our TSN Leafs reporter, with us. How are you, Mark? Very well. Good to be with you. I know. I feel like we haven't talked in a minute, but I think we did a couple weeks ago. Um, so the buzz around practice today. Samsonov was first off the ice. 
but Matt Murray got some work in with the group. What's the goaltending update, Matt Murray's situation? Yeah, some uh, development there. Finally, it feels like uh, forever since we got some uh, movement yeah. on the Matt Murray situation. But uh, so he was on the ice with his teammates uh, this morning for this optional skate. It's the first time we've seen him kind of in a team setting. Coach Sheldon Keefe says he is expected to join practice tomorrow. So that will be the first time he has practiced and been on the ice with teammates since uh, that warm-up back on January 27th when uh, the ankle injury that had been bugging him flared up and he was unable to make that scheduled start against the Ottawa Senators. So um, if he practices, that's a big step forward in potentially coming back. He's on long-term injured reserve. His first game he could play uh, and be eligible to return is Wednesday in Edmonton. Uh, that's the start of a back-to-back, so they could always, you know, save him for Thursday in Calgary. Bottom line is I'm sure they'll be cautious considering the injury issues he's had, but certainly would be a positive development, or it is a positive development, that Murray uh, is trending towards a return now. Uh, I'm curious about this second line. Like We, we saw the explosion in, uh, in Buffalo, all of them combining for 13 points. They looked exceptional. But I think we expect at some point Sheldon Keith to tinker and see what it looks like with you know all three of those guys, Matthews, Tavares, and, and O'Reilly, down the middle. So how long do you expect this second line experiment to, uh, to remain intact? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't even – I don't think Sheldon Keefe knows. Uh, and if he doesn't know, and he said he doesn't know, uh, you know, how the heck am I supposed to know? But uh, <laughs> but I think he wants to give it some time here, right? Like he, he said he owes it to them to, like, let it have some some oxygen here, let it, you know, breathe a bit. And they're obviously – yeah, it looked pretty good the other night. Buffalo will be a much different challenge tonight, much different opponent against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but, yeah, I would expect at some point, like, what, have we got about 20, 20-ish games left? Maybe you see a few more here, this this second-line look, and then at some point here they transition to O'Reilly as the the 3C. You know, Keith was saying today that Kerfoot was playing some of his best hockey of the season when he was in the top six before the trade, so maybe they get him back up there and roll Riley into the third-line center spot. So we'll see how it plays out here, but uh, uh, we will for sure see at some point here O'Reilly at third-line center. Before we go any further, uh, I I was I saw on Twitter that uh, Mark Giordano said he's been using the same chin pads for the last ten years. Did you guys get a look at those bad boys? Like how beat up do those things look right now? Yes, you know it's funny. I was just regretting not uh, getting a peek or asking him to see oh. if we were bouncing between Giordano and O'Reilly. He says oh. that actually they that you can keep the it's the shell. So he, he changes the padding on the inside, oh. which I guess will, will make the, the smell a little bit better or whatever. But the, he said if you change the padding, you can keep the shell for, for a lot longer. He likes the shell. Uh, he feels like the new ones are thinner, uh, the new ones that have come out. So he wants a thicker. And I guess when you're blocking as many shots as he does, you can understand why uh, he, would, he would want them uh, to be a little thicker. So that was, yeah, that was interesting that he said that tent. 10-plus years. You can't even remember. That's how long Crazy. and how old these shin pads are. But we always hear stories about these players that uh, they, once they find something they like and works for them, and Giordano's, uh, you know, like so many players, a creature of habit, why would you change, right? Yeah. I'm just surprised the they haven't shattered. Like, the, the, the <laughs> amount of shots that that guy's got in front of, like, how has mm-hmm. that not cracked the shell itself? It's kind of, uh, that's what's almost as amazing to me, the fact that they've lasted 10 years more so than he's using them 10 years in a row. Yeah, he seems to, you know, it's funny, he's asking, you know, what's the most uh, painful shot block, and he doesn't mind. He says the, the ones on the shin pads and the pants, you don't really mind, 
because there's such good production. I guess the technology mm-hmm. is great and whatnot, and he doesn't like the up high ones. Those are the ones you're scared of. And he said a Matthew Schneider slap shot to the side of his head back in the day is the most painful shot block he's had. That knocked him down for a bit. Has still has a scar from that. So um, I guess those shin pads are pretty much indestructible, it, it, w- it would appear, which is good because he's pretty much stuck to them. Yeah, Mark Giordano, what a guy, and uh, mm-hmm. what a pair of shin pads going for the mm-hmm. all-time blocks record in the NHL with our TSN Leafs reporter, Mark Masters, right now. And another update from Morning Skate today, Rasmus Sandin took to the ice, but doesn't look like we'll see him tonight, Mark? Nope, uh, he's going to miss a third straight game, but he's getting close. Uh, there's no, obviously, rush to get him back. They want him to, you know, we haven't gotten clarity on the actual injury. I know he was banged up at the end of the first period the other night, uh, when uh, O'Reilly made his debut on that Saturday night against Montreal, but uh, they haven't, uh, I don't believe they've, they've announced the specific injury. But, uh, but yeah, he'll miss a third straight game. Connor Timmons stays in, so I suspect we'll, we'll see the same defense pairs we've been seeing since uh, Sandine exited and did not play on Sunday in, in, in Chicago. So Connor Timmons stays in, likely with Brody tonight. Okay, interesting. Uh, we haven't talked to you, Mark, since the Ryan O'Reilly deal went down and Nolachari came to Toronto a week ago today, late night. Uh, I'd imagine you were excited, mm-hmm. as excited as I was. But last night with the Orlov news, I kind of started to shake in my boots at the Boston Bruins. Do you, do you think the Leafs are, are under a little pressure here to make a move on their own blue line now? Uh, I don't know if they feel pressure because of the Orlov move. I think you expect... Uh, the top teams are going to try and, and certainly uh, get in a bit of an arms race here. Uh, as in terms of the defense, uh, and just to tie it in, obviously we we're talking about Giordano. You know, uh, he leads the team in blocks. He's going for the record tonight, or at least the most tracked block shots that the NHL has ever yeah. you know accumulated. Because I think they've only kept the, the stats since oh five oh six consistently. So he's actually trying to, to break Chris Russell's old teammates' record tonight. But yeah, the bottom line is he's got a lot of miles on him, a lot of block shots. And he's been great. He stepped up in the absence of Jake Muzzin for much of this season. But remember, at the start of the playoffs last year, he was on the third pair with Timothy Lilligren. And Lilligren ended up in the press box to end the series. And Giordano remained in a third pair role, uh, played with Justin Hall, who's been in the top four much, for much of this season and was recently a healthy scratch. So I do think there are some question marks for sure on the blue line. And you can certainly see why Kyle Dubas would want to maybe add one, uh, you know, a piece there to solidify things and perhaps play in a top four role. And we'll see what happens there. But I'm sure there's, that's, that's the big question, I think, down the stretch uh, in the hours now, <clears throat> now left uh, until the deadline is what can they do to bolster, bolster this blue line? Um, because it's, it's at this point weaker than the one we saw at least just uh, on paper uh, in, in the series against Tampa last year, you would think, because Giordano Lilligren, let's say that's your second pair tonight, that was your third pair uh, to start the series last year. So interesting, interesting uh, decision for Kyle Dubas to make. Uh, in conversation with Mark Masters, our TSN Leafs reporter, and uh, Leafs hosting the Wild on TSN 4 tonight. And I was looking, the Wild have allowed just five goals on this four-game winning streak. Pretty stingy defensively. Like, what do you think Toronto's going to have to do tonight to break through that? Yeah, O'Reilly was saying, you know, he usually is more sore after games against the Wild than other teams because they just play physical and then make it really hard to get to the front of the net. So uh, they will be tired. Played last night in Columbus. So travel back-to-back. 
Lisa will want to start, uh, you know, it'd be great if they could start like they did in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, was, I asked him, you know, are you going to be able to you know, build out that? He's like, yeah, I'm going to have a hat trick every game now. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously not. And, and again, it's, a, it's such a different opponent. Buffalo more of a rush team. Um, and Minnesota more of a, you know, grinding opponent. And uh, what they have to do, they just, they got to jump on them. Um, and, and fight and be physical along with, with everything else they were doing in Buffalo the other night. So um, they played Minnesota before. They won in Minnesota afternoon start, Thanksgiving Friday, I believe, back in November. So um, they've done it before. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury started last night, so I suspect he won't start again. T- tonight will be Gustafson, so maybe they'll at least catch a break in that, in that regard. But uh, oh, He's been but good, yeah. too. Yeah, that's true. He's been good, too. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. But Bottom line, you're a rested team off since Tuesday. You had a day off. Uh, they got a huge uh, road trip coming off. It's just looking at it for me, 11 nights in the road. That's about as long as it gets uh, for the Leafs. So you want to go off into that trip feeling good with a win because, you know, it could be challenging. you got to fly across the continent on Saturday, play an afternoon start in, in Seattle on Sunday. Um, you want to be uh, want that to be a, a pleasant flight with a lot of smiling faces. So they'll want to get it done tonight. Yeah, actually, Mark, just quickly before we let you go, I, I, you're the big dog in the Leafs media world in, in that dressing mm-hmm. room, of course. So when you get of two course. new guys in, what's protocol? <laughs> Do they introduce themselves to you, Achari and O'Reilly? <laughs> what was the protocol there? I introduced myself to Achari yesterday. I haven't, like, O'Reilly's done pretty big scrums. Uh, it's been so weird. Like, we didn't, like, the, the trade was made and the first availability was after a game. Yeah. yeah, and it was a getaway. So like everyone's hurrying to because they played in Toronto, then they had to get to Chicago. So it's just there hasn't been a lot of just in the room and and sitting. And of course, you you know I don't know. I've talked to O'Reilly in the past. O'Reilly feels like it's been around longer, even though Atari's just a year younger. But anyway, I said hello to Atari after I was grilling him about his love of cookies yesterday. I felt nice. like you know throwing all these fastballs. I should probably just say hello and so he doesn't think I'm hiding behind the microphone or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you, you go up and you say hello. I mean, there, there, it's got to be such a whirlwind for, whirlwind for those guys with all the games they've played. Their families are still back uh, home. And what are they trying to get? They hadn't even been to the practice facility. It was pretty funny watching O'Reilly try and figure out which pad to go to because at least he used three different pads, and he's getting instructions, and he's going on the wrong ice. And they keep pushing him to, to another ice pad. And then there's music blaring, which they're not used to. They're like, what the heck? Am I in a concert or a hockey pro? It was just funny. So they must be swimming so yes i don't know if they they'll remember but i, I you know i with atari for sure i said uh hello and uh, i'm you know i was grilling him and i said you know are the, is the cookie supply good here and he said yes he confirmed the leafs have a good supply of cookies he loves oreos and pretty uh, integral part of his pregame routine uh loves his cookies and that's his nickname so um they're getting to know us we're getting to know them it's, it's always exciting when there's some fresh faces in the dressing room Yep, and we'll get to see him once again for their fourth game tonight mm-hmm. uh, on the ice, and you can watch it on TSN4. Mark Masters, I'm sure, will be dialed in for the coverage, mm-hmm. as always. Appreciate the the time, Mark. We'll chat again soon. I like an oatmeal raisin uh, cookie, by the way. I know you didn't ask. I, I thought it would Me come too. up. But Me too. I don't know if you're, what your favorite cookies are, but uh, that's, that would be my pregame cookie of choice if I had to. I don't know about I you like- guys. I, you know, an oatmeal raisin is slept on, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like a maple cookie. Like you give me a maple. nice maple toffee cookie, oh, I could oh. devour a dozen of those. Oh yeah, okay. they're so good, so good. Sounds too heavy, I think, for a game day though. With the filling yeah, there, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That would be like <laughs> the end of a of a hard game. I think that's a pick me up. So that's right. But that's right. I respect your choice. I respect your choice. I'll say that. A little sugar oh, in the boy. maple, get you going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't sleep on the oatmeal raisins. These are the big issues we have to discuss. They are. They uh, are. 
All right, Mark. Have a good Talk weekend, later, pal. guys. Bye. <laughs> Mark Masters, TSN Lee supporter, the leader of Masters Nation. All right, really quickly, we got to do some uh, puck picks, so let's get right to it. It's time for Puck Picks with Professor Al's brother. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. All right, A.B., let her rip. All right, so I've got three plays that I like tonight. I'm staying away from the total. I'm staying away from the side. So we're looking at the prop market. And I'm looking at the Wild, so the away under tonight, two and a half goals, paying one, uh, minus 128. The Wild have gone under that number eight of their last ten games. They've been held to two or less goals. Um, Sansonov has got a 206 goals against average at home. Uh, I think that those numbers lead me to believe that the Wild, who struggled to score, will go under the number two and a half goals. So I like that one. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, over one and a half shots on goal. Hit five shots on goal the other night. I find it hard to believe that a guy playing, you know, 17, 18 minutes with those guys with Mitch Marner passing the puck won't register two shots on goal. So I got Ryan O'Reilly over one and a half shots. And then it's about time Austin Matthews puts a puck in the back of the net. Wouldn't you say? It's not often he goes four. Oh, yeah. Like he's gone three in a row without a goal. He hasn't gone four straight without a goal since October 27th. So I think he breaks that little skid. He gets one tonight, and he's got seven goals last nine games against Minnesota. So he's performed rather well against many. So those are my three plays. You can find them over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, we've got some awards to give out on the other side. We've got the Leafies coming up next. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Honor. Prestige. A celebration of the waitress tripped on the court. Presenting the Leafies, a celebration of leafness. What am I going to do with the award? Nothing. That's the least of my concerns right now. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards. Available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. Okay, AB, let's bring it home for the week. It's the Leafies. Some discourse happening online about recent comments made on this very show about oatmeal cookies and, and the fact that they deserve some respect. But we don't have time to argue with Matt Cause right now, though I expect him to open a show arguing with us over overbaked goods. We have to hand out the Dougie to the best player of the week. And I, I th- I, I, it's got to be Mitch Marner, I think. No? Like, I guess you could say between two guys, like, you really give it to that whole line. But you look at the way that Marner played in that game against Buffalo, for me, he, he was outstanding. Five assists, he had five takes. Like, oh, Potentially the best game of his career. So for me, I think we got to go with Mitch Marner. He's got six points in uh, in three games this week. I think that's who I'd be handing the Dougie to. The Sundin, the player who made a game-changing dynamic play, pretty much the play of the game. You feel comfortable going with not his first goal, but what about O'Reilly's second goal versus Buffalo? Thirty seconds, thirty-seven seconds later, uh, start of the game was some serious pace, and I I, I know they kind of came back later, but I'd, I'd say that one buried them before they. Got a chance to breathe. Yeah, like that That was where I think you talk about 
a game-changing play. Like, when they went up 2 nothing off that goal, it was like, okay, tonight's going to be that kind of night. All right, let's gear up for it. And it was just such a pretty play, like, just a nice nice job by Marner to kind of sauce it over the defender's stick, O'Reilly-in-type, forehand, backhand shelf. It was just dynamic in every way, and it was uh, a meaningful goal in that game that really allowed Toronto to take a stranglehold. So I think that absolutely would be our uh, our son, Dean. What about the, the, the Carlisle Reimer just uh, okay player? We're going to say it and we're going to move on. It's Austin Matthews this week, and hopefully he wows us tonight versus Kirill the Thrill. <laughs> I hope so. I got a sprinkle on him scoring a goal tonight, so okay. absolutely hope that it's Austin Matthews. But look, I mean, the guy hasn't, uh, this week, he hasn't put one in the back of the net. Like I said, it's the first time he's gone um, three games without a goal since October. So hopefully that means that uh, tonight will will be the night that he he gets off this little mini slump. He's been a little perimeter for me of late. I need to see him playing a little bit more attack heavy. And uh, let's 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 get a goal tonight, Austin. Let's get a goal. Uh, the vibe, underrated player. Was, yeah, he deserves some respect. Yeah, you know he's, okay. he's he's being slotted better on the fourth line, and I think that. You know, I've still seen discourse, trade Kerfoot, trade Kerfoot, trade Kerfoot. I don't think you need to trade him. Like, unless it's necessary to get his cap, I think Kerfoot, if he could be on your fourth line, you're doing good things. Like, he, and he's been incredible this week. He's got the best shot share on the team, and a team-high 81% expected goals when he's out on the ice. So, you know, he's been, he's been uh, a revelation since moving down to the fourth line. It's a little expensive for a fourth liner, but I think he's played really well in that role. He's more properly slotted there than he is as a second-line winger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wendell, A.B., heart and soul? Oh, Riley Achari. Just, yeah. just bringing those guys in and what Achari can do. Like, he scored a goal. He's got 13 hits through three games so far since coming to Toronto. So, I mean, they've really amped up uh, the, the physicality and, and what it means to, to provide energy for a team. And that's exactly what the heart and soul is all about. That's what Wendell did. And Achari, I mean, he's, he's done that early on in, uh, in, on the season. All right, we got to fly. Fun show. Good way to end the week. I uh, appreciate everybody who joined us, everyone behind the scenes. I've uh, got the game tonight on TSN 4, Leafs and Wild. Uh, if you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.